Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back. Hour number two of the big show. If you missed anything in the first hour, you can check it out on the podcast. Tutel Nuanez podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Search it, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Tutel Nuanez podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. You can also go ahead and uh, check out the YouTube channel. What's up? Streaming live. You can also watch it in uh, arrears after it's already been posted up there. Check that out. Do you think that that. your page is as popular as Joe Exotic's YouTube live stream yet? Are you on the way there yet? Um, It's amazing that that was, I mean, they read those stats during that first episode of Tiger King. As for being a a weird, crazy guy as that guy is, I mean, there was only like 70 people watching that thing. Right, but they just didn't know. They're in the millions now. Well, I bet they are. So if only but people knew how crazy as I ever seen on the television. <laughs> that is a, a spectacular piece of American insanity. But but there's no more being made, am I right? I mean, this is you know it's done now. Well, you can't do a YouTube live stream from federal prison, so right. No. So it's probably done. So I would say we are more popular than Joe Exotic's live stream then at this point. You are truly detached from reality, if that's what you're telling me right now. No, you know. We all create our own reality. So <laughs> if he's got he's got zero, right? That's what I. That's how what I'm taking this in. He's in he's in the state pen, fed fed pen. Yeah, yeah. I am free. If you, you say know. so. Well, I'm you know free to be. At we'll home. get you there someday, Rye Rye. <laughs> that, that day. <laughs> hey, it's it's up for interpretation. <laughs> all right. Ryan's, Ryan is closing in on and quickly solidifying his already. Tremendous status as the world's greatest sitter. Yes. Not babysitter. If sports sports come back, Ryan's never going to be famous at anything except for that as the guy who sat on the corner of his couch for Mm -hmm. 11, 12, 13 days in a row. I know that you have stuff to get to here, but I need to know before 6 o'clock today, will the public 
at large know where you found the car keys today? Oh, you lost your car keys? <laughs> no, no, no. It's so much better than just losing the car keys. Um, will we know about this today, or will we have to save it for a later time? I don't know if I'm in the minority on this. I kind of sense that I'm not, but I do think that I am. I lead the charge in just sort of an aptitude of tracking my own personal belongings. Plenty of people lose their wallet, lose their keys, that sort of thing. If you don't use an item in about 48 hours in my house, <laughs> it's gone. Okay. It's gone forever. So you better need the title to the car right now or else you may never find it when it comes time to sell. So uh, being that we haven't been driving around a lot, the van, my family van did not get used for about four days. Okay. When it came time to, hey, maybe it would be nice to let everybody up and go on a drive, no keys. That was the state for about another four days. And yes, later I will describe in some detail how we were able to recover the set of car keys. But that wasn't the only set of missing car keys in your life. I, in the process of finding these set, this set of car keys, found three other sets, <laughs> uh, including one to the station vehicle, which I'm happy to say <laughs> we can also now drive see, again. <laughs> see, pluses, pluses, of, pluses of Corona, all the things you find. How many times have yes. you called me over the last six months and said, hey, do you have a Florence coffee card? And I say, I don't know. I don't know where it went. Cleaned my car. Five of them. Good. Five. Good. Five Give them, them to me. Forget I, Ryan. I handed all five of them to the gal at the kiosk and said, can you tell me what I have here? And she's Coulter. like, sure, I'll scan them all. <sighs> no. Uh, by the way, uh, just so we're clear, though, because Florence Coffee does uh, take care of us on Fridays. Yes, the they Florence do. Coffee Company. Those are, those, several of those are your personal cards that totally. are not in no, the right. No, 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 Let, no. Let's, let's be honest. No, th this is only one that they've given me. Yes. These other three are me. You, you getting them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's why they're sitting around because I do keep track of our station ones. I don't want anybody getting upset out there in the world for crying out loud. Uh, okay. By so the way. Oh, we'll yeah. look forward to that tomorrow. First segment, Ryan's car keys. Okay. Segment one, put it in the outline. Uh, as, as we continue our Big Sky Conference uh, coaches series, about to yes. be joined by Demario Ward. Yes. Tell me what you think of this series of pictures. Okay. <laughs> well, this is great radio. You're scrolling through pictures. Hey, what do you think of this? Okay. What is it? It looks what like they built think? either a giant uh, one one end of the arena uh -huh. cornhole deal uh -huh. or a truck ramp. Okay. Show the camera. So I don't know. I don't know what we got here. We got a we got a ramp, some ramps. Somebody's building some stuff. The elsers is speaking okay. to the mic. Could have been, could be, anything. Yeah, could be a boat helpful. ramp, could be a jump. Who knows what it is? Okay. That was uh, Portland State head coach Bruce Barnum's response to my uh, inquiry if we could interview him tomorrow at two p.m. Pictorial uh, six, uh, six pictures of. I think it might be a boat ramp because he's been spending a lot of time on the river. Okay. We'll ask him about that. Regardless, Portland State head coach Bruce Barnum will join us later this week, as will Great. Weber State head coach Jay Hill. But today. Talking Demario Warren. Demario Warren, fifth-year head coach uh, at Southern Utah. Uh, I believe he is still the youngest coach in the Big Sky he Conference. He is 34 years old, yep. Uh, and so took over 29 years of age as, as a, as a first-time head coach. Had a couple great seasons and then has had some tough seasons the last couple of years. Yep. And we weren't sure if he was going to be retained coming off of this past season, uh, but has been. And uh, he speaks to that in our conversation that we were able to have with him. But... Uh, you know, certainly, you know, again, a very a, a great guy to talk to. Really enjoy our time talking to him. And as such a young coach, um, 
learning, I think, the st- sustainability of a program, like how to do it year in and year out, is part of that learning curve because you he took that program over, and um, they were really good with him initially. And now that, you know, it's been tougher, and we get in, you know, Cedar City now – there's highlights everywhere, but it ain't the easiest place to get people to go play. Now, if you can sure. get them, it's probably the right type of guy as he speaks to in this. But it's certainly a, a, a you know a big challenge to do that, and so he continues to take that challenge on. But we certainly appreciate him chatting with us. Well, that's exactly it, too. I mean, not to get too far down the rabbit hole, the X's and O's, but they've run the Tampa two defense since he was the defensive coordinator. People that remember that for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's, it's a, it's a defense. that's not that complicated, but you need to have elite personnel at certain spots. You need to have elite personnel at that edge spot. Like what Derek Thomas played Derek Brooks, excuse me for, uh, for the bucks. Yeah. For Monty Kiffin. You need to have that three tech like Warren Sapp. You need to have a shutdown corner like Rondé Barber. And you got to have a stud safety like John Lynch. You have to have those guys. If you got those dudes, Everybody else is is uh, not as important. When Southern Utah had James Kowser playing off the edge, uh, an array of defensive tackles led by uh, Killebrew and Robert Torgerson. When they had Killebrew at safety and Lashawn Sims at corner, you're talking about three dudes at the three most important positions that were NFL caliber. They won the league. They went to the playoffs three out of five years. I mean that Ed Lamb had it rolling a little bit, and Jamari Warren continued that by sharing the Big Sky title, 2017. They went nine and three that year. It was the first time they ever got a bye. Then they got a bad draw. They got a Weber State team coming off of a first round win, who was getting a rematch. It was very similar to Montana Weber State last mm. year, where you get conference foes matching up in, in it's the first playoff game for one of the two, and then all of a sudden Weber rolls Southern Utah, and they haven't been able to recover since then. They've only won four games since that moment. But to me, their biggest issue has been. The personnel. Like yeah. Last year, their Jalen Russell, their All-American corner, got hurt. Kyle Hanneman, their NFL caliber safety. I mean, those are the guys you have to have at those spots. And when you don't have them, you win th- three games. That's what that's what happened to Southern Utah this year. Uh, Demario Warren, the latest in our series of Big Sky Conference football coaches. We appreciate him spending the time. Please enjoy our conversation with the head coach of Southern Utah. Well, happy now to welcome in on the Rankage Brothers RV phone line the Fifth year head coach of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds, Demario Warren. Coach, thanks so much for being with us. I know it's an odd time right now for certainly everybody, but how are you holding up down there in Cedar City? Good. Uh, obviously, we're a little bit more isolated than, than some of the bigger cities, so we, uh, we've we been fortunate not to have a lot of cases here, but uh, everything is pretty much shut down uh, like, the, like the rest of the world, so uh, we're just getting getting all those projects and all those things that you wish that you uh have time to do now now it's time to see if those things are really important to you so it's been good to catch up with family and, and get to get some reading done and stuff like that what, what are you reading what are you what's on i mean i know it's uh nfl for you know football for guys or whatever it is but what <laughs> what else are you getting into on the literature side uh actually so i'm, I'm listening to uh 33 war uh, strategies of war um, and then I'm reading uh, uh, You Are the Team by, by actually a local author that's helping us out with some of our culture stuff. So it's been been good to catch up on some of the readings that I haven't been able to, to get in. That feels like a Mike, Mike Leach recommendation, the 33 <laughs> Methods of War, right? 
it's, it's long. I, I thought it was two hours on, on Audible, and then and I clicked on it, it was 27. So <laughs> 17 hours in, it's, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of running in and walking, listening to that book. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, we kicked off this Big Sky Conference Coaches Series with Dan Hawkins. It was actually hilarious because he got his dates wrong, and he called in more than a week ahead of time. But, you know, Dan Hawkins calls, you take the call, live radio. Let him roll. But he's at UC Davis, which is your alma mater. I think that's a really interesting element within the league because we have a lot of guys coaching at their alma maters now, guys that have coached at different schools around their states. But you're the only head coach in the league that's coaching at a school that's not your alma mater, and you have to take on your alma mater. So start with Coach Hawk. I mean, what do you think of the fit of him at UC Davis, and what's that like for you coaching against UC Davis like you have all these years? Well, that's awesome. I didn't have any idea of that, but – uh, he he's a perfect fit. I mean, he was a coach that I looked up to him, Chris Peterson, Mike Bellotti. Um, there's been a ton of coaches that have come through UC Davis, so he was one of those guys I looked up to, and I actually sent him a resume way back when uh, when he was with the, the Canadian League, um, the CFL, and so luckily he didn't hire me there because that was a pretty short stint, so it ended up working out for, for, for me, and, and, and him coming back to Davis is great for that university and that program. They're doing a really good job down there, so it's it's, uh, it's, it's awesome that, that he got there. Tim Plow is, is one of my, my close friends in the coaching business, and so it's uh, fun to compete against him every year, and, and or not every year, but every chance we get to get a chance to play him. Tim Keene was our starting center when I played there. He's the O-line coach. So uh, definitely a lot of connections. Still got a ton of respect and uh, really love that program and, and what it did for me and my family. Coach Biggs is, is the reason that I'm, I'm in this seat. Him and, and Coach Lamb are the two biggest influences I've had in the coaching uh, world and so it's it's he was the person coach Biggs was the person that kept me going in, in college when I had a baby my freshman year and uh, he was the one that really told me that hey don't don't stop playing don't don't quit what you're doing you got you got a lot of goals ahead of you and I think you can be very successful in life if you if you go through this tough time and so he actually encouraged my wife and I to keep plugging along and, and just take it one day at a time and so just having that impact on me outside of football is something that was really important to me and and so it's uh, definitely shaped the way I've become a coach and, and very fortunate for that whole program and what they did for me. UC Davis is such an incredible coaching cradle from Jim Sokar all the way on through Bob Biggs like you mentioned but then all the guys that pass through there whether they're players or coaches from you know Paul Hackett to Mike Bellotti to yourself Tim Plow you mentioned who was at NAU and now is at UC Davis Dan Hawkins of course and then I mean Chris Peterson Gary Patterson I mean the list goes on and on and on why is that why do you think a, a Davis guy has a chance to become a college head coach seems like there's more of you guys that are alums that are college head coaches than maybe any school in the country uh, I think it was the culture that, that Soaker and, and Biggs had in place for so long there. Just the the character building of, of not just the coaches, but of, of the players. And so not a, if you come through as a player, you come through as a coach. Um, you just The way they teach football is a little bit different, uh, in, in my opinion. They just they really love the, the X's and O's of the game, but they also care about you as a person. And they've, they've done a great job of, of building a culture up there for so many years and, and to be able to touch that many people to get in just to just to get into a profession is is pretty remarkable. And then to have the success that you talked about is great. And, and, and guys hired the Davis guys. So, I mean, uh, Patterson was only there for a year, uh, but, but the DB coach there is also a Davis alum, uh, Paul Gonzalez, and he's had a great career in coaching. So I, I think it is just the culture that they've had, the way they, they think about football. And then um, just 
just being just being a good person i think is is, is something that they've preached and, and so when you get into the profession and you've had early success like some of these these guys have like patterson and, and some of the guys you talked about and then them reaching back out and, and pulling some of us some of us up with them has been a big deal so i think it's just just the culture they've had but also the, the opportunities that have been given because of some of these great coaches that have had a ton of success Demario Warren, UC Davis alum, but the head coach at Southern Utah. And let's transition to that, Demario. Let's talk about Southern Utah. You've been at Southern Utah since you graduated from UC Davis. So even though you're the youngest head coach in the league, you've been a, this will be what, year 13, year 14 at Southern Utah total, and now year five as the head coach. So how have you seen just the Southern Utah program evolve? You guys went from uh, Division two to then into the Great West then into the Big Sky, and, and you've had multiple roles within the program. So what's the journey been like since you first landed in Cedar City 2008? Uh, it's been a blessing. My, my family and I uh, really fell in love with the place. Uh, not not at first. I remember we played my senior year at, at Davis, my junior year, my last year at Davis. We played here, and I remember leaving the, the stadium and uh, leaving. It was cold and windy, and I told my wife, I'll probably never come back to, to Cedar ever again. And, and then 13 years later, we're, we're the head coach and, and been having a great time. But the it's a family-oriented community, uh, slow pace, and they're so supportive of, of just uh, families and, and doing things the right way. And so we try to build our program around the um, attributes uh, that make this city great, just hardworking people that are so genuine. Uh, you go to the grocery store, everybody's smiling and saying hello, and there's just a lot of good people in, in this community. And so we try to bring guys in that, that would represent our program and our, our community the right way and uh, we've seen it grow from from when Coach Lamb was here and, and did a tremendous job and, and really mentored me and to give me the opportunities and the tools to, to be successful here and uh, we've seen a lot of ups and downs. We've had a couple tough seasons the last two years but um, President Wyatt has been super supportive since since I've been uh, the head coach and uh, he, he believes that we'll, we'll turn things around. I believe we'll turn things around and uh, I think they've seen that year after year where we have some down years but we've been able to, we've been able to bounce back just because of the character of our team and the character of our, our, our staff and, and so it's been it's been a long long hard road uh, but it's been the ups have been been awesome and the downs have been still good because we're, we're we know we're working towards something for the long term and we're hoping to, to be able to continue to win and build this program up to where we can be a consistent winner uh, in this conference and not uh, have the ups and downs that we've had. You know, one of the things that's unique to me about the Big Sky Conference coach is that there's just such great diversity in the programs that exist and, and where they are and what they're about. And so, consequently, every coach has some great things that he can sell about his program and also maybe some hurdles or some questions to answer, you know, about the program as well. When you talk about Cedar City, when you talk about Southern Utah, what are the things that you feel like, you know, or maybe some of the challenges that you face there as a program? But then conversely, what are the things that you tell kids like, hey, this is what's great about this place that you're not going to get anywhere else yeah I, I think some of the challenges that most people see as challenges i mean we we, we are uh probably one of the lower the lower funded teams were isolated a little bit more than other programs uh in the conference uh but i think that's also some of our, our benefits i think we've had a ton of success with nfl players because there's there's not a ton of distractions there's only two bars in towns and the college students don't hang out at the bars it's, it's not a cool place to be at and so we don't have to worry about some of the other things that that other programs have to and so if you really are into football if you're into school 
I think that this is a, the best place for you. And so we sell the heck out of that. And, and you can see the success we've had, especially in individuals. So when you, when you talk about player development, um, I think every coach in the, in the big sky is, is probably talking about that with their recruits is can we develop you? And I think for the most part, we all got really good coaches on our staffs. We got great strength staffs. But one thing that we can provide is, is less distractions. And so it's just really going to be up to the individual player if they develop. And if we can give them an environment where they don't have to uh, be distracted on a day-to-day basis, then they're going to develop more than other people. And so we might not get all the – we might not beat a lot of schools for recruits. So when they get here, they get a lot better because of the environment that we have. And so that's a unique environment that I've – been fortunate to be in for 12 years and so when we talk about player development in our program uh, I think we have uh, one of the best environments to be able to do that and so we, we sell it and I think it shows in the the way some of our guys go from their freshman to their senior year. Demar, you got to forgive me now because I'm from Montana. So now, if the bar's not cool to hang out at, I don't know where I'm going. So I want to know what is cool. Like, what do you do to hang out? You talked about the development, but what are what are you up to as a college kid then in Cedar City? Well, you either you either find ways to, to enjoy the outdoors. We got a ton of national parks out here. Uh, you get a, you find a way to to uh, enjoy your teammates. Or you usually don't not around here very long. <laughs> if you get that bored and you start looking for a distraction, there is none. And so that's when you start that's when you start not liking uh, Cedar City and, and, and what, what, what the program's trying to push you. Because football, college football is hard, and so you push these guys to, to be the best they can be on the field, off the field, and academically. And eventually, the guys that don't love those things, uh, football and school, you're going to start looking for distractions. And Cedar's not a place where you're going to really enjoy if you uh, if you don't like football, school, and, and just the outdoors. And so I think uh, the outdoors is huge and just the people in the community, if you don't uh, value those things, I don't I don't think you uh, last long in our program. But uh, and, I, and I like it that way because it, it really is a it's a unique place where you're going to either love it or, or you're not and it happens real quick and it doesn't matter if you're from california or, or montana or anywhere um when people get here they they really uh, are surprised of how uh much they do enjoy it and, and we get a lot of people to stick around even after college i remember when i first had you on my podcast was when we first launched skyline sports and it was during that great run you guys had 2013 through 2015 but specifically 2015 when you were the defensive coordinator at lambs last season and that defense was stacked with talent, including several guys we've had a great time following since then. James Kalzer, Miles Killebrew, LaShawn Sims. Uh, Kalzer and Killebrew, they still come on the podcast from time to time, and Kalzer's still as good at talking as he ever was. But the fact that those three guys have been able to continue to make a living playing football, seems like those guys are great examples of the player development you're talking about. How much pride does that give you, the fact that you have been able to coach three guys that have had sustained now NFL careers? Yeah, it's, it's been great, and it's great for our players to see that. And and to be honest, you ask about what do you do, um, those three guys came in together with that same mindset, and they were able to push each other for four or five years. And again, you can people can take credit for for those guys. And um, obviously, I was a defensive coach, but I, I don't have any credit <laughs> for them what they did over the four course course of four years. I mean, those guys were the ones that went out on the field and did the extra work. And it was, it was really unique because they all like to do different things. So uh, LaShawn was always the footwork guy. He always wanted to work on footwork. And Killebrew didn't want to do that at all. And he wanted to lift weights. And so they ended up pushing each other uh, in areas that they didn't really enjoy to do. Um, um, and then Calder was the one that went to go find the, the hill workouts and things like that. And so 
they, they all have their unique things that they, they like to do to push themselves to be better, and they just brought each other along. And, and I think that in any team, not just our team, but if, when you can find a guys, uh, a couple of different guys that are that motivated, I think you do see uh, those type of results uh, after four or five years of just pushing each other to be better and, and really support supporting each other. And so I'm hoping during this time is, is probably the one thing I'm nervous about losing the most, um, not just – not just in our team, but just in college football, of that camaraderie and being able to support uh, each other and, and push each other to be better. And we're we're trying to put some structures in place where we can t- continue to do that um, from our homes. But uh, it's just not the same when you're there each and every day pushing each other to get better. Demario Warren joining us. He's the fifth-year head coach of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. And, Coach, you missed out almost all of spring ball. I think you got two practices in. And so when you look at where you're at right now, what are the things that you, you feel like you miss out the most on for your program? I know that every coach that didn't get, you know, the, the spring that they wanted loses on some of that stuff, and we're, everybody's in a holding pattern now. But what are the things specific to you and your program? Yeah, just we have some new systems going in, and so we were uh, – really looking forward to um, seeing those things kind of play out throughout the spring ball. The first two practices, we actually had the same install in offense and defense, uh, which was which was a good thing. I'm glad we got two practices because we wanted to emphasize uh, finishing. Uh, we defined what finishing was for each position, and practice one was awful, and practice two was much better, and so we got some of those things on film, and, and so we can build off of those things and show them, like, hey, this is how you finish a play. This is what we're looking for, and, uh, and so it's unfortunate that we didn't get those those opportunities to to evaluate players uh, that want to make the roster i mean i think that's another big thing that we've talked about as a staff is how do we evaluate some of these guys that were on the fringe and then just trying to figure out especially again with some new systems where where pieces fit the best and how we're going to move the, the players around to put them in the best position to be successful i think that's uh that's probably something that we we uh, are going to miss just from missing spring ball I know one thing that you brought to my attention once upon a time was when Southern Utah was rolling and a couple of the other perennial powers in the big sky were down, you thought maybe that the league itself and Southern Utah in general was getting slighted a little bit. I know you guys, you know, the year that you shared the big sky title still got sent on the road in the playoffs in the first round. Uh, but now it seems that the league, in terms of the teams that have always had the national prestige, has gone back to maybe the status quo with Montana, Montana State in the playoffs. I mean, UC Davis, I guess, last year was a little bit of an anomaly sharing the league title, but Eastern Washington back uh, among the national elite as the national runner-up two years ago. And then, of course, Weber State and the way that Jay Hill's got that thing rolling as a three-time reigning Big Sky Conference champions. Two, two-part question. How does that fortify just the reputation of the league on a national level? And then if Southern Utah can re-break back in and become one of those upper-tier teams, do you feel like you, you guys have a chance now to, to have a little bit more national respect because of the peers around you as well as just the fact that now you've been there before. It won't be the first time. Yeah, time will tell. To be, to be honest, I think we are the best conference in the from top to bottom in the country, and I've always felt that way, um, even when everybody else thought we were down. So time will tell when we come back. I mean, uh, we've when we won, we won in 15 and in 17, and our resume was uh, really, really good. I mean, you could compare them to even the last couple of years, the teams that were ranked three, four, and five, and look at our resume from from 17. I mean, we had a great resume. So time will tell if, if we're going to be able to get that same respect if we're at the top. And, and obviously, we got to get back there to see if if that's the case. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I hope I hope so. I hope we are uh, looked at as as a big sky. Um, 
as a, as a uh, national power if we win the Big Sky because the Big Sky is so uh, competitive. But we won't be able to see that unless we get back up there. And so we got a lot of work to do here. We can focus on that, and we'll see we'll see where they put us at when we get back up there. Well, last question for you, Coach. The Big Sky is always a wild conference, especially with the you know the asymmetric point scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Give us a prediction for this upcoming season. It's a long ways off, but you've got a lot of time to think about it, for crying out loud. What's going to get weird this year to you when you say, hey, here's something you might not be thinking about for the Big Sky? I, I have no idea. I mean, there's some great coaches. Uh, your guess is good as mine. Nobody saw Sac State coming up last year. Um, Weber's been been solid the last three years, um, but yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna get crazy. We open against Sac State, and so I, I'll guarantee that if, if the season opens up, we'll, we'll open up at Sac State and see what happens. But uh, but uh, but trying to predict this conference, uh, I think every team could beat everybody. Um, we played some tough games last the last couple of years uh, on the road against Weber. We're tied at, uh, at at seven points halfway through the third quarter. So uh, there's a there's a ton of great teams out there and uh, whoever wins early on especially if you in those non-conference games and, and get some uh, confidence it really helps you carry through the momentum and there's not too many teams that really make a run at the end uh, just because it's so competitive and, and the margin of victory is so slim Demario Warren, the head coach of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds football team coach, best of luck this season when we get back to it, we can't wait, really appreciate you taking the time I appreciate you having me there you go, Demario Warren, our Opportunity Bank Coach's Corner. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, Coulter, if he's able to get that thing turned around. I think uh, right now he's he's probably the guy on the biggest hot seat right now in the Big Sky Conference entering this season. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, you know, there's certainly opportunity. And in any given year, I mean, all it's it's a lot about how it sets up for you from a scheduling standpoint, and obviously health. Uh, but this is not like, you know, the NFL or even other big time conferences where it's always, you know, in some instances, in some ways, it is. You know, there's the blue bloods, no question of the Big Sky Conference, but there's always opportunity for any team in any given season to all to jump up there, and almost always there is. Well, in Southern Utah, it's just such a simple analysis. It's all about players. And they have the ability to get some of the top talent in the league for a couple different reasons. They have a lot looser academic standards. They can t- take a lot different type of transfer. You see that in basketball. Like a lot of the dudes that play Southern Utah, they could not transfer to other D1 schools yeah, because of w- a variety of reasons. But they've had as many NFL guys in, to come out of the Big Sky Conference since they joined the league in 2012. You can get that type of guy there. You just got to do it, though. I mean, they've had great luck with just getting quarterback transfers from BYU, for example. I mean, Brad Sorensen was a draft pick by the San Diego Chargers once upon a time. Ammon Olsen dropped down for BYU. He led him to a Big Sky championship. Patrick Tyler was a great JC quarterback who came in and then won a Big Sky championship. They haven't hit on that transfer. Last year, they went through multiple transfers. They had a kid who's a transfer from Hawaii who was the former Utah Player of the Year. He didn't work out. They had multiple injuries at quarterback. All of a sudden, they're playing a freshman. Yeah. Is just Christian Helbig, their other JC transfer, he didn't work out. So when you miss there, that's tough. And they've also they've had to somehow bridge the gap because the, their whole philosophy, Ed Lamb did, did as good a job at managing the LDS missionary situation of any coach in the state of Utah, in my opinion. He would get all the dudes who weren't necessarily going to be invited back to Utah State 
and BYU. Because a lot of times kids, LDS, before they go on their mission, they redshirt a year. Because when you go on your mission when you're 19, they leave for two years. A lot of times they didn't get invited back. Ed Lamb would swoop up all those dudes. So that 2015 team that won the Big Sky title, they had, I think, eight players on that team that were from Ed Lamb's first recruiting class back in 2008. Right. And so when you get all of that to to coalesce and you have a whole bunch of really mature veteran guys combined with elite talent like LaShawn Sims and Miles Kilbrew, you can win the league at Southern Utah. But to me, it's just all about players. You have to take advantage of your ability to get these guys. But then like Damari Warren said, they got to buy the place that they're moving to and they have to realize that there isn't any bars in Cedar City. You're not going there to have a great college experience. You're going there to have a sports experience, to focus on school and play sports. If you do it, though, you could get drafted like a lot right. of guys have out of there. Right. So it's it's just interesting that Ed Lamb did it well. Javari Warren knows the blueprint. Can he replicate it? Carl Tyler Chevrolet. Discover ownership, peace of mind with Carl Tyler's lifetime powertrain warranty. On the other side, the all-decade team, the NFL all-decade team was just released. We'll tell you who's on it. We'll tell you who's a unanimous first pick. And we'll tell you what seems to me a strange grouping at one particular position next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. You didn't know. It's pretty easy to tell that Tommy's sitting in the chair today. What the heck does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, songs about eating your vegetables. Uh, it's a good piece of public advice, especially right now. Eat green stuff. When's the last time you ate a vegetable, Tommy? That's a great question. Well, yesterday I ate. Nope, that wasn't a vegetable. Pickles on your cheeseburger. My, no, I don't do pickles. My, That's psycho. My over-under is two times in his life. <laughs> Both on accident. Yeah, I so like I don't know if this counts, but one time I thought I was gonna eat a chocolate chip cookie, but there were raisins in it. I'm still ticked <laughs> off about that. Um, so there was some health. Um, Man, how it. many times have you been button hooked though, thinking that you were getting the chocolate chip and it was an oatmeal raisin? And See, just... I don't like chocolate, so I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. Oh. I'm coming through this glass and Get we're gonna swing fists. I'm with them. I'm, I'm Tommy and I are two on two on one on this one. Okay. Give me the chocolate chip all day long, and if it's oatmeal raisin, unbelievable, it's just so disappointing. It is disappointing. Yeah, I, I, it's just a matter of preference. I, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'm just saying. I uh, I was really thirsty one day at the at the dinner table, yeah, and uh, the glass I was drinking out of was like a a tinted blue glass, mm-hmm. and I thought that I was going to be taking a nice big gulp of water. It turned out to be pineapple juice. <laughs> and, Brutal. You know, it, first of all, who, who, who's serving up pineapple juice just to drink it at the house? I don't know. But it's, okay, good it's, it's fine. I, I like pineapple juice. But if you don't think that you're getting it and then that's what you got, disappointing. Problem. Well, you got problems. You got, you got coughs and you might be shooting it all over the dinner table. 
you know, just as a, <laughs> is, you're not prepared for that. Are you more of a roasted vegetable guy or a raw from the garden vegetable guy? Well, I like, I, I don't prefer roasted necessarily. You know what I love? My favorite is the, uh, is the cooked on the grill. I like to grill my vegetables. I having them raw out of the garden if they are in fact out of the garden, I enjoy a lot as well. But I like to cook them up and in some form, but honestly roasted. Coulter, any opinion on I like this? It all. Yeah, no, it's all good. Okay. Where Wait. do you stand on tofu? Gross. Really? I'm against it unless it's in the is it the miso soup that has the tofu? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, That's then, good stuff. then it's all good. You cannot go wrong with the Asian soups, man. They just they got it figured out. Uh, it's Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. If you'd like to listen live, you can do so on the stream. Stream is available all the time at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And all guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Coulter, the all-decade NFL team came out, and basically the way the all-decade team works is they pick the the two best players at any given position, but if there's two starters traditionally, like for instance there would be two running backs or two wide receivers, then you get four. So you double up the position. I don't believe this is first and second place. I don't think this no. is – it's just if you're on the list, you're on the list. There's no – this is not a depth chart situation here uh, as far as it goes. But the all-decade team from uh, 2010 through 2019 uh, was released. And the quarterbacks – Probably, as you would expect, are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. By the way, only a handful of players, I don't know, like six, seven players, both sides of the ball, ended up being unanimous selections. Tom Brady was a unanimous selection for the All-Decade team, uh, unsurprisingly. you Are you surprised that Drew Brees is not in that? Well, they won their list? title in 09, so no, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's- Who else has won titles this decade? Because Rodgers won the first one of the decade, right? Mm-hmm. And then Brady? Uh, 2011, it was out of the 2010 season, okay. though. Um, Brady won. Uh, Nick Foles won. Oh, man. You know, it's a good question. Right. It's amazing how easy we forget. Yeah. The, uh, the Rams didn't win. Nope. The Falcons didn't win. Nope. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson Russell won. Russell Wilson's one. got one. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. Peyton got one. Got one. Peyton was in there twice too. I mean, he could have been on this list. He re- he retired maybe a little early to be really considered. Russell could have been considered on this list. Yeah. Um, I got no problem with the quarterbacks. Here's what I find interesting. I when I read through and went running went to the running backs, I said, "This is the list. This seems to me like okay, but not great. Like there weren't better running backs than this." Now. Most of that belies my own just sort of not even not paying attention, but just sort of what comes to mind right away. But here's the list. Adrian Peterson, who was unanimous, and that is, of course, a no-doubter, okay? He's one of the greatest football players of, of all course, time. Of course. But here's the other three that are, you go, whoa, okay. Marshawn Lynch, mm, okay. Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. Like, those are the four best running backs of the decade. Now, first of all, to be an old decade running back, the longevity that that sort of implies is probably the main thing. And Frank Gore, again, at this point in time, is the number three running back in the history of the game. Behind 15,347 yards, more than Barry Sanders. He's behind Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton. And right, ahead of Barry Sanders. 
Amazing. I mean, it's just absolutely incomprehensible. And and so, but yet, he, how long has he been in the in the league now? Frank like, Gore was drafted in 2005, so this will be his 15th season. So, you know, you think about two-thirds of his career have been in this decade, this most recent decade, but the first third of it obviously was not. Did he perform at a level in those 10 years? But who else was performing over the course of 10 years at running back? Like, almost nobody. Chris Johnson, we were talking about this in the break, I don't know if there's a running back. I would say this. There's no question that there is no running back who played at a higher level in any given year than Chris Johnson the year that he ran for 2,000 yards. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson's singles. Chris Johnson. Adrian Peterson's 2,000-yard season is the greatest rushing season in the history of the league. They were terrible that year. They had nothing. They had no offense, and he led them all the way to the playoffs off a torn ACL, and he had the second most rushing yards in the history of the league. CJ, biggest home run hitter in the game the year that he ran for 2,000 yards. But he only he was only elite for like two or three seasons, and then then when it was over, it was just over for Chris Johnson. I mean, that was the 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 you know fabled cliff that he fell off. But Lashawn McCoy, same thing. Like he was great for a couple of seasons, but he lasted in the league, and he's still in the league. Marshawn Marshawn Lynch, same thing. And again, as you know, a guy who's watched a lot of Seattle Seahawks football. You're never going to convince a Seahawks fan that that he shouldn't be on this list. He's absolutely unbelievable. But I guess when you talk about guys like, you know, some of the all-time greats, none of these resonate. Whereas if you go to the wide receiver, not none of these, they, they do, but not in the same way except for AP. The wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones. Those are like, just off the top of your head, feel like four of the ten best wide receivers ever play football. You know, and it may not be, but it, it, but when you talk about just the name recognition so and the immediacy of I mean, it, you have the two you have the two greatest athletes to ever play the position, Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones. Right, it's indisputable, right? And Larry, I mean, Calvin Johnson, the greatest athlete that's ever played the position. I, I mean, has to be, has to be, yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald might have the greatest hands in NFL history, save maybe Jerry Rice, but I mean, I think Larry Fitzgerald's top three in catches and, and everything else. And Antonio Brown, at his peak, he had the best seven-year peak of anybody in the history of the league. I mean, if you have a peak that's seven years, there's nothing else to talk about. But I think he had 50, I think he had seven straight 1,500-yard yes. seasons, which I think has never happened before by anybody. So I guess my point is, is like when you look at every wide receiver you look at, you go, oh, of course, of course, of course. Well, and you look at the running backs and you go, Frank Gore? LaShawn well, here, McCoy? Here, here's okay. the state of the running back position. I mean, I just went through the top 100 rushers in NFL history and – uh, it, here's how here's how it breaks down. I mean, those guys that are on the list, those guys are all uh, in the top 22. Yeah, I guess Marshall Lynch is 29th. LaShawn McCoy is 22. Andrew Peterson is fifth. Frank Gore is third. But guys that played in this decade, the only guy that has really any sort of production in this decade that maybe is a tweener is Steven Jackson. Mm. But he only played to 2015, so only half the decade. He yeah. has good numbers though. He's, he's, but then the Steven rest. Jackson's but listen real. to the rest of these these guys because this this shows you the way that the game has evolved, the deprioritization of the position, but also how often you get hurt at this position right. and how it impacts you. The next guys on this list in terms of production that could have been considered: Maurice Jones-Drew, D'Angelo Williams. Lamar, or excuse me, Jamar Charles, Jonathan Stewart, who actually split time with D'Angelo Williams, yeah. Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram, 64th in NFL history in rushing yards already, Arian Foster, LeGarrette Blunt, Le'Veon Bell, Alfred Morris, Lamar Miller. Every single one of those guys is in the top 100 in NFL history in rushing yards, but every single one of those guys at times during their career split with another back and at times got replaced by another back because they got hurt. But I guess to me, and again, I wouldn't dispute this list, but if you told me, 
Le'Veon Bell over LaShawn McCoy, I wouldn't have blinked. I wouldn't have blinked at it. I would have been like, well, yeah, I mean, who's, who's been a better dual threat guy doing it like than, than Le'Veon Bell? But just not long enough. LaShawn McCoy has done it for basically the decade. Uh, the one other guy that's worth pointing out here uh, is at, at tight end, Rob Gronkowski, not a unanimous pick. Stunner. Stunner. How is he not unanimous? Well, this goes back to the argument of greatness because I've always thought this. So much of greatness and so much of being legendary is has to do with longevity. And if you do it for a, such a long period of time, you're always going to be remembered with such reverence. But I always then point to transcendence. Will Tiger Woods finish with the greatest legacy in golf history? I don't know. And he has uh, some opportunities still, assuming that we can ever play golf professionally again. November, Augusta. To, to chase this thing. But he might never... Equal the production of Jack Nicholas. But Tiger Woods at his best is the, be- is the greatest golfer that ever lived. Yeah. And it goes back to the Bill Walton argument, right? Bill Walton's not remembered like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or, some, or Patrick Ewing or some of his other peers. But at his peak, when he before he got hurt, his second year in the league when he won the MVP and the Blazers won the title, that Bill Walton is as good as any big guy that's ever played. It's, just, it's, it's tough. It's the transcendence argument. That's why AP is so amazing because he was transcendently talented, was the best in the league. Fell was the best in the league again, and now continues. I mean, he rushed for a thousand yards last season again. Maybe we look at the defense a little bit tomorrow. Carl Tyler's Missoula Volkswagen. Discover ownership peace of mind with Carl Tyler's lifetime powertrain warranty. Take a break. Wrap up Monday's show next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Another Monday, soon to be in the books. Miss anything in the show? Check it out on the podcast. The podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Detail new on his podcast. Rate, review, subscribe at your leisure. Our thanks to Blackfoot for bringing us the Detail new on his podcast. Go blackfoot.com slash business. Go check it out. Should I just keep the music going since you uh, just destroyed the last segment? Did we, my, go, my, did we go long earlier? My outro music supposed to start in three, two, one. Keep it going. Get started. This is this uh, this song. Three nights it's on high rotation, a rotation in the two tail household. Kids really? are into it. Dad's into it. Absolutely. Dance party central. I got. We got. Dude, we're burning calories at the two tail house. Uh, we are dancing. We're dancing it all over the place. Uh, and by the way, the reason we're late here, because I know that, you know, I, I, I did catch the, the passive-aggressive nature of your tone. There are nothing passive-aggressive <laughs> it's, be- it, it's because you wanted Don't to know about go. my keys. You're the one who pushed this whole thing back. So it's on you. Look in the mirror. You want to be angry about my... You can't break. walk into this radio station and throw down a gold mine of a story, <laughs> and you'll never guess where I found the keys. <laughs> and then when people hear where you found them, 
which will be in segment one tomorrow, by the way, everyone listening. Um, everyone else will be as blown away as I am. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.